Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 155. With everything Royal Caribbean is doing these days, there are a lot of people considering trying a Royal Caribbean cruise, and this week, we have a podcast listener who was so intrigued, he decided to give it a try himself. In this episode, we talk with someone who just took their first Royal Caribbean cruise after cruising with another cruise line many, many times. And we talk about what it was like cruising with Royal Caribbean for the first time, and what his recent Freedom of the Seas experience was like. Here we go. You know, taking a Royal Caribbean cruise is something we all love doing. And for some of us, hey, it might even be our first Royal Caribbean cruise. And today's episode, actually, we we're lucky enough to be joined by Chris Hodnett, who's actually back from his very first Royal Caribbean cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. And Chris is not new to cruising, just new to Royal Caribbean. And Chris is a good friend of mine, and we've been talking about this for a long time. So the fact that Chris decided to take the jump and, and go on a cruise on Royal Caribbean really... Uh, warm my heart, so to speak, and I am glad to have Chris join me here on the podcast today. Chris, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Oh, glad to be here. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, we, I just talked a little bit about here in the introduction. We were talking offline as well. This is not your first cruise. Tell us a little bit about your background in cruising and what drew you to consider and eventually take a Royal Caribbean cruise. Absolutely. So, I had cruised previously exclusively with the Disney Cruise Line, uh, twice on the Disney Dream and once on the Disney Fantasy, and had planned to take another Disney cruise. And upon like researching their rates, I was just blown away by how expensive a Disney cruise was compared to the, the competition. And at that point, I'd been listening to you on WDW Today, discovered your Royal Caribbean blog podcast, and said, I'll check out Royal Caribbean's pricing. And believe it or not, the cruise that we ended up taking, the Freedom of the Seas, the seven-night cruise, the price was comparable to a three-night Disney cruise. So there was it was a no-brainer from that point. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. You know, I, I think we both actually enjoy the Disney Cruise product. I don't think either of us would tell you that it's a bad cruise experience, but I think we both came from the similar background, Chris, where it's just it got way too expensive. You know, and it's, yeah. you just can't. At some point, you can't justify that anymore. And that's what brought me to Royal Caribbean in the first place as well. So you're you're walking down a very well known path, my friend. <laughs> Um, talk about Freedom of the Seas. Why did you pick this particular sailing, this particular ship, and and what attracted? What kind of stateroom did you pick? Also, yeah, sure. I, I to, I'll be totally honest with you. The reason I picked Freedom was not to do anything with the ship itself. It was more the fact that we wanted to go Eastern Caribbean. Port Canaveral was super convenient to us in Atlanta, and it just so happened that Freedom of the Seas was the ship that was going to be available to us. Um, it ended up being a great choice for us. We were in uh, a balcony stateroom right on the hump of the ship, so perfect on the starboard side of the ship. Uh, I feel like it was. It ended up being a great choice, primarily all due to luck of the draw. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a wonderful selection. I mean, I've I've often told people Freedom is the ship I've been on the most. And even though I, I often wax poetically the saying that my favorite ship is Navigator of the Seas, nonetheless. I, I've been on Freedom the most, and I'm about to go back on here on in September for our Freedom uh, for our Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, which I'm super excited for. So, uh, yeah, I, it's it's a wonderful choice, one of the best in the fleet. And you know, you mentioned coming down from Atlanta, and you drove down, right? No, actually, we ended up flying. 
Oh, even easier. Well, then there you go. Because it is pretty convenient. I mean, it's only from Atlanta. It's about, uh, you know, Orlando, which is pretty close to Pork and Arrow's, about ooh, six and a half, seven hours. And then, you know, it's a quick shot over to the coast. So it is very convenient for a lot of folks uh, coming up from the greater southeastern United States area because it is drivable for a lot of people in that regard. Uh, but being able to fly down is, is nice as well. So let me talk. You, you step on board the ship, Chris. What did you notice first being on Freedom of the Seas? This is your first Royal Caribbean ship. What stood out to you? What struck you being on board uh, a, a Royal Caribbean ship this time instead of going on Disney? Oh, without a doubt, it was the the Royal Promenade. I was blown away. I did. I guess I did not anticipate the beauty of that area and just the the ambiance, the environment. It 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 was electric, for lack of a better term. I'm I'm used to the the Disney cruise. You walk in and you've got the atrium there, but this was just a different experience altogether. I was I I instantly fell in love with the Royal Promenade. Absolutely. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, Chris. My wife loves the Royal Promenade, and I do too as well. It's just a great hub of activity. It is certainly impressive. I mean, I've seen it so many times, I probably take it for granted now. But it is impressive you know, to be able to see that, and there's so much going on, and it is a very different kind of experience. Even if you go on, I think if you were to go on a Radiance or a Vision class Royal Caribbean ship, you would find you know they have the Centrum, which is probably very, somewhat similar to the Atrium. The Atrium, I don't remember being as quite as t- tall as the center. But nonetheless, I mean, this is a whole different kind of experience on there. So it's, it's pretty, uh, I can definitely understand where you're coming from with the, um, with the, with falling in love essentially with, with the promenade there. Tell us about your stateroom and what your thoughts were on that. And did you make a right decision there? Absolutely. So we, we went into this, um, really want to do a, a balcony stateroom. It was, uh, it was my birthday. We, that's one of the reasons we went on this cruise. The other reason was it was one of the first vacations me and my wife have gotten to take since getting married outside of our honeymoon. So we really wanted to do it right. Uh, we wanted to do a balcony stateroom. Um, we were on uh, we were on deck six, and like I said, luck of the draw, we ended up with a, a hump room stateroom. I didn't know what that meant until listening to a couple of podcasts, but <laughs> we got. Uh, I felt very fortunate we were in one of those rooms because the space on the balcony. Um, definitely was larger than we expected, larger than what we were used to on a Disney cruise. Nice. And it definitely worth the experience, the ambiance of having that balcony. Absolutely. I, uh, I found myself out there, uh, usually every morning for sunrise and would spend some time reading. Um, I mean, other than, other than wishing that I got to spend more time out there, I didn't have any problems. Awesome. That's that's good to hear. Tell us about your dining experience on board. Were you in? Did you do the main dining room traditional? Were you doing my time dining? Did you only do specialty? Was it just the buffet for you? What did you do? Now we we exclusively ate in the main dining room for dinner, eight o'clock seating. Um, and I, I mean, I would I would tell you like uh, I'm not ashamed that we did not do any specialty dining because we loved the main dining room. I love the main dining room. I, I often tell people I am a old man trapped in a slightly younger man's body uh, because, you know, loving the main dining room is something that is not of Chris and I, you are, we're, we're very simple. We're close in age. It is not of our generation, Chris. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be the kind of people to be like, Oh, the main dining room. Ugh. But I love it. I love the, ex- I love, first of all, the experience of it. You know what I mean? Like having the waiters know your name, know what you like, bring the bread over to you. I mean, it's just about, it's just about, it's just as much about the service and the and the and what you get there as as much as it is about the food, obviously, which is really really good as well. Yeah, that's that's a great point because 
That is one of the things I know I was worried about going from Disney to Royal Caribbean was the service. But it was primarily the waiters that we had that kept us coming back to the main dining room. I felt like I built a better relationship with our servers on Royal than I ever had with, with Disney. Awesome. Well, that's glad to hear that. What about the uh, activities you did on board in terms of uh, you know what was in the cruise compass or kind of things? Like that? What what's the, what stands out in your mind now as you're looking back on it? Were there some activities that you did that were particularly interesting or amusing or fun or whatever? Sure, absolutely. And uh, and I will say, cruise compass compared to um, the Disney uh, Navigator. I thought there was no comparison there. I loved the way Royal Caribbean laid out the cruise compass. So was definitely looking forward to that every night to get in and check out what was going to be going on the next day. We did pretty much any onboard entertainment that was offered um, every night. We did all of the uh, adult shows, comedy. Um, we participated or not participated, but we watched the uh, the belly flop competition, um, the Mr. Freedom of the Seas uh, contest, uh, and then of course I had to get on the Flow Rider. <laughs> all right, well, two questions. Now, first of all, what is the Mister Freedom of the Seas? I've never heard of this. Yeah, it was uh, so. It was one of our sea days, and they got six or seven guys to come out on the pool deck, and they they went through like this. Um, I mean, I, I can't even describe it. They had to do several different activities. And it, it concluded, each one concluded by having to jump in the pool, swim across, and pick up a lady that was sitting in a beach chair. And then they were all timed. And the person who ended up doing it the fastest was named Mr. Freedom of the Seas. <laughs> this is awesome. I've never heard of this. I've never Clearly, I don't spend enough time up on the pool deck or it's somewhat thing relatively new. But I've got to check it out. And I can, you know... <laughs> I don't know how good I am at swimming across a pool to pick someone up, but hey, it sounds like a fun thing to watch at the very least, right? Yeah. How did you do in the flow rider? Uh, I, in the spirit of humility, I did phenomenal. I uh, did not surf. We did the the boogie board. My wife and Aaron and I did, and I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to rub it in her face right now, but she got on there and immediately got knocked off. I got on and I, I made it all the way up to my knees, and I, I felt like I felt like such a champ, uh, mainly because I am that competitive. <laughs> how how many tries did you? I mean, did you really? Let me ask you this first of all: Do you have any background skateboarding? No. Okay, because I've heard from other people because I'm definitely not talented in either. That evidently the flowrider is more akin to to skateboarding than it is to actually uh, surfing, like like in the ocean. Uh, just because of the dynamics, I think, of the way that you get there and, and the size of the board. Um, but, I mean, it's a great activity, and certainly um, it certainly makes memories, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We got some great pictures. <laughs> so let's talk about also some of the other uh, activities. I know that you had kind of a, a list of things that you enjoyed and, and did not enjoy as much. What's, what stands out in your mind? What are some of the things that you picked up on coming back here and, and looking back on your cruise? Um, for sure, we loved uh, we loved the nighttime shows, whether it was uh, adult comedy or the love and marriage game show or the quest. Those by far stood out in my mind as being shows that we would continually go to. Like on future cruises, I would that's something I would look forward to. Where on Disney, I didn't find that as much. I felt like there were shows for adults, but. On Royal, these were clearly for adults, and I, I think that appealed to us. Nice. I like. It. Did you enjoy the solarium? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. We loved uh, that. That was so the Solarium area and uh, the Solarium bar. That was our area of choice most days. Did you get a drink package on this cruise, Chris? We did get a drink package, and I, I probably wouldn't have if we did not receive it discounted. So we purchased this cruise when they were doing a, a buy one, get one 50% off sale. And I went ahead and lumped in the drink package just because we were so used on the Disney cruises to having the soda included. And I just I just figured, ah, you know what, I'll give it a shot. We definitely got our money's worth. Nice. Which, which package did you get in the end? We got the premium. Premium. Okay, so definitely you would get it on another cruise or you would need a discount in order to be convinced to do it? Oh, that's a good question. I think uh, looking back on our math, I would do it if we had a good discount. Okay, fair enough. Did uh, I mean, did you ever feel any – did you feel – this is a question I always ask people. Were you drinking because you actually wanted a drink or were you drinking because you felt, I got the package, I got to get a drink in, in order to quote-unquote break even? No, no, no. I mean, we, we got a drink when we wanted a drink, and in the end, the math worked in our favor. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. That's that's awesome, because, you know, the drink package, boy, it is like, <laughs> it is always something to be debated among Royal Caribbean fans as to whether or not it's a good idea, and certainly, I, lo- I love hearing the, the your, your side of it, Chris, where you're coming on here, and, and you're saying that, you know, you definitely made financial sense for you, and you, you were able to enjoy it, so that's wonderful. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you picked you wanted to go Eastern Caribbean. That was something that you mentioned earlier in the in the episode here as to why you picked this cruise in particular. Why did you want to go Eastern and what was your experience like? So we've been Western before. We uh, on the Disney Fantasy, we were able to go west and stopped at Cozumel and Grand Cayman and Falmouth. Um, and and we enjoyed it, but from all I had read and researched that Eastern offered some of the best island experiences and I was really looking forward to St. Martin. So our uh, ports of call included uh, Coco Cay, St. Martin, and St. Thomas. And as far as St. Martin and St. Thomas go, it exceeded any expectation I had. Unfortunately, we became just another statistic and were not able to stop at Coco Cay because of the weather, which was uh. probably, yeah, that ended up being probably the biggest disappointment of the trip. Yeah, that's a tough one. And for those who are unaware, Coco Cay does not have a dock. It has you have the tender over there, and depending on the 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 surf conditions, how big the waves are, how windy it is, you may or may not be able to get there. And it there are I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a you know every now and then you do miss out on that. I remember actually, Chris, to be fair, at Castaway Key, which is Disney's island. I remember one cruise we had to wait another day. We got we were supposed to go on one particular day. And then the waves were. This is before they had the dock there, I think, and they had the same problem. And we had to wait. We ended up going later in the cruise, but it's kind of interesting. That's too bad because um, Royal Caribbean's private islands are are really amazing, both Coca and Labadee. So hey, it's something to look forward to on an on an upcoming cruise, though. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. You went to St. Martin, St. Thomas. I did recently a Royal Caribbean blog insider top tier bonus podcast episode for the. Sorry for the shameless plug here, but I do, um, for the Royal Caribbean Block Insiders, which are folks that donate to Royal Caribbean Block financially, I do a bonus episode for the very top-tiered insiders there. And one of the questions we had on there was, St. Thomas or St. Martin? So, Chris, I'm going to throw it over to you. What is your take? St. Martin or St. Thomas, which was your favorite and why? Uh, I'm going to have to go with St. Martin, and it was primarily due to the fact that 
the Maho Beach Airport was a bucket list item for me. So to be able to actually get there and have planes flying that closely overhead was an experience that I will not forget. It was awesome. And then um, we took a taxi ride up to Orient, uh, Orient Beach, and man, talk about breathtaking. It was awesome. I agree about about Orient uh, Beach. It is amazing. It is. I, I always tell people it's my. I think it's the most beautiful beach I've been to. Certainly in the Caribbean. Uh, I, I it's water clarity, water color, the vista of it all. It's it's really amazing. Which uh which beach did you end up picking? Because Orient Beach is actually a really large beach. It's like seven mile beach in Grand Cayman. There isn't just one beach. You go. You know. There's quite a number. Did you end up? Did you just taxi driver just brought you somewhere, or did you have yeah. one in mind? No, no, so funny story. So we're we're driving, and the taxi driver says, "Would you like to go to the nude side or the clothes clothing side?" And <laughs> everybody in the car was like, "You know," and it's like, "No, no, no. We we're gonna leave our clothes on." So they dropped us off at uh, at one spot on the beach, and that, I mean, thankfully everybody had their clothes on. Yeah, that is something. The good old French, they do enjoy um, sunbathing topless. So there, that is something to be aware of if you are going to uh, Saint Martin. And some other islands as well in the Caribbean that can't happen. But as I always tell people, it's not the people you want to see topless that are topless in the end. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. It's not what you think. It's really quite the opposite. So yeah, I think you made the right decision there. <laughs> and I guess we'll wrap things up here, Chris, with the question. I'm going to ask you two questions. First of all, to cement your status, your opinion of Royal Caribbean, did you, uh, do you have anything else booked at the moment? Okay, so I'm not sure which of my family members will listen to this, but because I'm on here with you, Matt, I will be honest and tell you that we have four Royal Caribbean cruises booked right now. Wow, what did you pick? <laughs> okay, so originally my wife and I were going to go to New York for to, to celebrate our one-year anniversary, and we called an audible on that, and now we are going to sell on Majesty of the Seas over Labor Day weekend. Uh, just try to get it cook okay this time, and then that stop in Nassau. But just a way, an easy, quick and easy way for us to celebrate our uh, our one year anniversary. And then um, we're also scheduled to be on the New Year's sailing of Majesty. And then that's where we'll take a turn for next year. Next summer, we're going to be on Enchantment out of Miami, um, hitting uh, Key West. Uh, and then the Bahamas as well. And then the Mac Daddy. In 2018, we booked a Harmony sailing um, that it's pretty cool in my opinion. We're gonna It's going to go to San Juan, it'll go to Labadee, uh, and it'll go to St. Martin. So it was an itinerary that it, it looked pretty interesting to me and a couple of uh, ports we've never been to with Labadee and San Juan. So we're going to be all over that. Awesome. Great. I love it. And my last question for you, Chris if you go back on the ship right now, if I could say, Chris, I'm going to use a transporter, bring you back on to Freedom of the Seas. You go for like an hour and you got to come back, dude. Where where on the ship do you want to go back to just to, for that time? Where What stands out in your mind as really uh, you want to spend that hour over there? Oh, no brainer. For me, it's going to be the hot tubs that appear to hang over the edge of the ship or just has that glass looking out over there on the solarium yes. side. That's where you would That's where you would find me most of the time. The cantilever hot tubs. Love those things. Yes. Funny story. My, my mother-in-law is petrified of them because she doesn't. She thinks that they're totally too scary because of the fact that half of it does hang over at the side. That is like 
it's just a, it's a joke among my family. Every time we go there, me and my wife are like, hey, your mom, your mom's not going to like I'm in this thing. <laughs> but hey, more more room for me then, right? Absolutely. All right, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Roll Cream Blog Podcast. Oh, my pleasure. I love it. Perhaps the only thing I like better than taking a Royal Caribbean cruise is talking about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise. And that's why I love these email sections of our show. It's the point in the show where I ask you to send me your emails about Royal Caribbean. Anything, questions, comments, thoughts, whatever's on your mind. And we read them right here. So it's our little virtual escape to Royal Caribbean stuff. And I love doing this. And of course, you can email me at any time, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And our first email this week comes to us from Justin, who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm an avid Royal Caribbean cruiser looking forward to finally hitting diamond status on my upcoming cruise. After booking my October 2016 cruise on Allure, I came across your podcast. I'm not sure how I ever found it before. Earlier this year, my wife and I added twins to the family, making us a family of five. Seeing as our oldest three-year-old and twin nine-months-old are sailing, uh, we decided to stay in one room. I tried to price a room on Royal Caribbean's website for the five of us in one room, only be met with the message you have to contact Royal Caribbean to book five in a room. So I did that. A short time later, Ocean View Balcony booked. Mind you, I have never booked through Royal Caribbean before. I normally use a travel agent. Listening to your podcast two days after booking, I learned I could transfer my reservation to a travel agent. I did that and got additional onboard credit from my travel agent. I would never have transferred it without happening to come across an episode of your podcast where you mentioned it, so thank you very much. Side note, my travel agent also informed me that she initially could have handled the booking for the five of us in one room. I didn't even need to go through Royal Caribbean's website. I'll also try to give a little bit of feedback to those on cruises of the Oasis class. In all the reviews I've read and podcasts I've heard, I rarely hear mention of the Solarium Bistro. It's located, as the name implies, in the Solarium. While the Solarium Bistro becomes Samba Grill at night, during the day it offers wonderful, healthy, and free breakfast and lunches. We love to eat there, and normally it's not all that crowded. Thanks again, Justin. Justin, great email. First of all, I'm glad that you are able to reserve that room, and you're absolutely right. A travel agent can help you book uh, a room that has five or more people in it. Usually, this is like a family-type room. There's family ocean views, family inside rooms, really any room that uh, can accommodate these kinds of people uh, where you have, like, usually I think family rooms can accommodate up to six guests. You cannot usually book that on your own via the website. It doesn't even show up in the results, let alone being able to book it. It's kind of weird like that, and a lot of people don't overlook this option. So if you are looking for a room that can that can accommodate five or six people, and it's not a mega suite, there are other stateroom categories, and just as 100% right, you can either call Royal Caribbean or a travel agent, and they can take advantage of booking for you. The reason why they do this is they want to make sure that there are enough people that can stay in the room, meaning they don't want it to necessarily allow people that have you know three or four people to stay in the room. That being said... When we were able to actually reserve this particular stateroom category, a Ocean View family room on Navigator of the Seas in 2014, uh, we were able to do that actually with only three of us. But that was because we booked it so close in at a certain point before sailing. And there's no official word on when this is. It's just magically at some point. If they haven't sold those rooms, they are then opened up to the general public and they become available. So. I did actually see the family ocean view state room available on the website. And then I called my travelers like, Hey, can we get this room? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, in general, if you're booking well in advance, which you absolutely should do, these kinds of rooms are not necessarily available. I will point out one thing, Justin, nothing wrong with those rooms. I love the family ocean view because there's a huge amount of space in there. And certainly with five people, you're on the right track. I will point out something to consider is that despite the fact that you have a room that can accommodate five and 
quite honestly, six people, you only have one bathroom. And, of course, little separation from your children, who you absolutely love and adore. I love my children. I adore my children. I just don't like sleeping in the same room as them. (laughs) Um, As I'm sure you already are well aware, Justin, kids don't do so well with noise, light, and other things when when they're trying to go to sleep. That being said, you might want to, just for fun, price out two connecting staterooms. Now, you're pretty close, and I know you mentioned you're going in October 2016, so... You know, there's not a whole lot of time left, but in the future, always consider also two connecting staterooms. Yes, they're going to be smaller overall, but the advantage of this is that you get separation from your kids and an additional bathroom. And let me tell you something, it makes a huge difference. So if it's not in the cards for your October 2016 cruise, hey, no worries. You're still going to have a great time. But any families out there looking to sail together, I know the the natural thought is, hey, let's all say one room. If you... I, as a parent, I'm telling you, <laughs> you should consider two rooms. I know this is not the most loving thing you can say. I love my children. I really do. We have a great time on board. But like I said, I don't enjoy sleeping with my children in the same room. They're just, you know, between noise and, and and lighting. And, you know, as parents, we're on a different schedule than our kids, right? They have to go to sleep earlier than we do. I like to stay up late and watch maybe some TV or read the cruise compass. And, again, noise and light can be an issue with them being able to sleep properly and not waking up all the time. So, And I really hate playing the quiet game. So <laughs> to each their own. But uh, Justin, thanks for the information. And also, great recommendation about the Solarium Bistro. It is a very underrated restaurant. I think it does definitely fall under the category of restaurants a lot of people don't talk all that much about. I know we wax poetically about Izumi, Sabor, even the main dining room in the Windjamer. I love all those places. But the Solarium Bistro on the Oasis class is a terrific spot. In fact, a lot of people will tell you that it is one of the best-kept secrets about the Oasis class is being able to eat there, especially also if you're a vegetarian. From what I understand, there's a lot of great options there. So, hey, good choice there. Thank you so much for the recommendation, Justin, and the email. Let's keep things rolling with our next email. It's from Alex from Miami who writes, Hi, Matt. I'll be sending on Oasis of the Seas for the second time, and I would like to know if you have any information regarding the benefit, or lack thereof, of the duty-free liquor bottle sales on board or in port. About 10 years ago on my first Royal Caribbean cruise, I remember getting great deals on bottles, but I'm wondering if the deals are still worth it versus prices on land. I can't seem to find any information on board or in port. If I'm only going to save a tiny amount, it might not be worth for me to try to buy and juggle with all my luggage upon disembarkation. The ports I'll be visiting are St. Martin and Puerto Rico. Alex, great question. So a couple things to keep in mind. Will you save money on liquor, generally speaking, either on the ship or in port compared to what you find in the United States? You definitely can. Usually, if nothing else... You'll be saving on taxes because it's usually duty-free liquor, and that alone can can make some big differences. Also, if you're visiting certain islands, you're visiting St. Martin in Puerto Rico, you know, Puerto Rican rum might be cheaper over there than it is in the United States. I think, number one, it behooves you to do a little bit of research in advance, you know, go to your local liquor store, see what the prices are, and also what brands you're interested in. In general, and this is a definitely a generalization, but I found the prices to be cheaper both on board and on land, you know, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. The example I'll give is, you know, if you're looking for a good price on, you know, Grey Goose Vodka, right? You will probably be able to save at least on on the taxes on it. Being duty-free, that helps a lot. But the real savings are if you go to someplace in Puerto Rico, get some local rum that you may not be able to find in the United States. And it might be a little bit cheaper over there. You might get a great deal on it. It all depends, right? Your mileage may vary. Everyone can find a great deal or a terrible deal. I will tell you that a lot of people do swear by it, and even the stuff you buy on board the ship can save you some money. And again, being duty-free alone can save you a little bit of money there. So, you know, is it worth it to juggle all your luggage with that? It's up to you. I mean, you're going. I know you're living in Miami, and you're going on a waste of the sea, so it's not like you're flying with it. Not a huge deal. 
I'd say, yeah. I mean, if you're in the market for it, sure, why not? Keep in mind, though, that any liquor you purchase on board the ship or in port, Royal Caribbean will keep, not keep, they'll hold it for you, <laughs> and they'll give it to you back on the last night of your cruise. So you won't be able to enjoy it while on board the ship. Now, of course, you nothing stopping you from going offshore to Puerto Rico, buying some fine, fabulous uh, Puerto Rican rum, enjoying it somewhere on the beach over there, and then coming back in, uh, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a very good mood. But any liquor you buy on board and any liquor you bring back to the ship, Royal Cream will hold for you and then give to you on that last night of the ship. So that way you uh, don't have to work. They will store it for you and then obviously you'll be able to take it home with you. Again, I think if you're in the market for it or if you're someone who tends to buy a lot uh, over the course of the year, you can save a lot of money on there and, hey, get a great deal on some, some good uh, liqueur. So thank you for the email, Alex. Next up, we have an email from David Busto of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello, Matt. We enjoy listening to your weekly podcast and become Royal Caribbean fans sailing in junior suites on the Oasis and a grand suite on the Allure. We're looking forward to our next cruise on the Harmony of the Season, a grand suite next May. The junior suite was their nice upgrade from the balcony stateroom for my wife and I, just for the extra space and having a tub in the bathroom in addition to a large walk-in closet. Listening to your recent podcast on junior suites, I agree that the Grand Suite perks are a huge plus, especially having meals available in the concierge level on the Oasis-class ships. It was also a plus not having to rush to get seats for shows as we were able to skip the lines for seats reserved for suite guests. For us, a recently retired couple, the suites on Royal Caribbean are perfect. Thanks to the work you do, the podcasts are informative and entertaining. David, thank you so much for the email. Great insight there. And I know a lot of folks swear by suites and the suite class. And certainly on the Oasis class ships, Royal Caribbean just redid the entire suite experience with the Royal Suite class. And that in itself is going to uh, change. We're actually going to – I'm planning on doing a podcast episode about the Royal Suite class. This is something that's new for the Oasis class ships and the Quantum class ships where Royal Caribbean basically took all the benefits that Sweet Guests got, kind of threw them all away. And so let's start fresh and let's give a new approach, something that really matches the kind of luxury experience you might find on land, like at a like in Las Vegas, something like that, where, you know, really they wanted to give guests more reward for it and and really give some great benefits to it. And the you can read about it uh, on RoyalCoreanBlog.com about the new Royal Sweet Class stuff. But I'll tell you, there are some terrific benefits. And I think that David brought up some some really important ones. I do agree that if you are staying in a suite. It is very important, and when I say suite, sorry, I should probably quantify that by saying anything but a junior suite, because junior suites don't usually qualify for this. But if you are staying in a suite, you want to take, take take advantage of those perks, right? You have a lot of benefits being a suite guest. You're paying for them, so take advantage of them. And one of them is the reserved seating. That is huge. There's usually a reserved seat not only for shows, but also on the pool deck as well. So take advantage of it, and that can you know, you're paying for it. You may as well enjoy it. And for a lot of people, they say it's absolutely worth every penny of it. And David, I'm glad to hear that it's working for you. That's awesome. Thank you so much for the feedback. Next up, we've got another email, and it is from Carlos Ribeiro. Right, time at. I'm a longtime listener from Toronto, Canada, and I've done two cruises with Royal Caribbean and four with two other big cruise lines. I use your podcast as guidelines for all my cruises. Carnival and Norwegian somewhat operate the same way, but obviously they offer many different amenities. My question is this. On my last cruise with Royal Caribbean on Freedom of the Seas back in September of last year, my wife and I booked another cruise while on board. We chose at the time the last cruise possible we could book, and it was Anthem of the Seas for next April doing a Bahamas cruise out of New Jersey. My wife and I are planning on having a baby and would need to move that cruise. I've been in contact with numerous times with my travel agent and can't really get a straight answer. 
I want to move the cruise to Harmony of the Seas for next year, November, and we would need a room for three people. But obviously, it would be kind of hard with a baby not even born. She said that Royal needs a third name to put on that room. Is there any way around this? I have not called Royal Caribbean yet, though I thought I would ask and know if you knew the answer. Any help would be appreciated. Carlos, I was in your exact same situation. It's a little backstory. Uh, I, as I think some of you know, I have a now one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, in addition to my five-year-old. And when we were looking at booking, what, what cruise was it? I think it was I think it was the group cruise on Allure this season we just said. We do, of course, Royal Caribbean blog group cruises, where I invite every single one of you to join us for these cruises. Basically, it's let's cruise together, right? Because the only thing that's more fun than taking a Royal Caribbean cruise is taking a Royal Caribbean cruise with friends. And that's the idea behind them. And, of course, you can get more details at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events for all of our group cruises. And uh, back to the story, though. We were looking at this group cruise that we just did on Alert this season, February. And we knew we were going to have a kid, but we didn't have a name yet. We, in fact, we didn't even want – I think at the time, I didn't even want to let my travel agent know we were – my wife was pregnant. Because you know how it is in the very early. You don't want to tell anybody. There's all that stuff that goes with it. Anyway, long story short – when you, if you're in a situation like this, or maybe you just don't know who else is going with you, maybe you're, maybe you, you want to take uh, your kid's friend with you, but you don't know which kid you're taking, right? Or even if you're going to bring a kid with you. The bottom line is, if you know there's a fairly good possibility you're bringing someone else, but you don't know who that person is, whether it's a new child or you know a grandmother or whoever, the for in terms of pricing, what you want to do is put a name down. Doesn't matter what name you put down, you just need to put a name down. So as an example, what I did is actually put my mom's name down. My travel agent thought it was really weird for wanting to book a cruise with me, my wife, my daughter, and my mom. <laughs> but not that notwithstanding, the reason why you want to do this is because of the way that Royal Caribbean prices their cruises. So let's say right now today, and this episode coming out here in late July 2016, you book your cruise and you say, okay, it's gonna be uh, you're gonna it's gonna be Carlos, Carlos's wife. And you obviously you know you're having your baby. You don't know your baby's name. So what you should do, Carlos, is put down anybody's name. I would use a parent as an example. Use your friend. It really doesn't matter. It's just a placeholder. The reason why it's important is because the way Royal Caribbean prices it is they will say, oh, okay, well, Carlos is booking a cruise for three people. All right, here's the price for three people. Now, if you down the line, six months from now, you say, you know what? Remember that name I gave you for number three? It's really not that person. It's actually going to be this person, which in this case will be your, your baby's name. There will be no change in price. Royal Caribbean can change a name on a reservation, no problem. But if you were to come later, having only booked two people, you and your wife, and said, hey, you know what? I want to add my child to this one. Now you're changing the pricing, and this can really uh, affect the pricing of your cruise. It's not as simple as, oh, we'll just add another person, and you know the price goes up a little bit. It's almost akin to making a whole new reservation, and it really will screw things up, quite honestly. So your best bet is to just put down any name. Any name. So put your you, Carlos, your wife's name. Put me down. <laughs> I mean, put somebody's name down. Uh, and and you just need some basic information. I think all you need is like their birthday, uh, maybe a phone number or something. Like that. It's very basic. But put them down as a third person, as a placeholder. Then call by your travel agent back and be like, hey, actually, so-and-so is going to be replaced by so-and-so. And there'll be no issue at all. It's always best to – it's always easy to either change names or take people off a reservation than it is to add people to reservation. And this is very important for pricing. Again, if you don't want to do it this way, that's fine. But keep in mind that your price will change and it can cause some major headaches because inevitably, you know, if you book something now and then you wait a couple months and then want to reprice something, odds are the price is going to go up. And that's why it's usually to your advantage to wait until, uh, you know, put a placeholder down there and then change the name on there rather than try to wait and add someone later on. So, Carlos, I hope this helps you. 
And uh, I think you're doing going about this will be the easiest way for you to possibly uh, change all that. So good luck with that, Carlos, and congratulations on the new baby. That's awesome. Great news. And of course, your child, I'm sure, doesn't even know yet how lucky they are because you're gonna they're gonna be inheriting your great crown and anchor status going with you. My kids certainly don't appreciate it. So. <laughs> Awesome. Next up, we have an email from Murph. Good email. Murph always sends some great emails here. And Murph writes, I discovered my last cruise on Freedom of the Seas about a line avoidance idea. With the lines to sign up for the drink package were long and on vacation day, I went to the R bar across from guest services and was able to purchase the package there, including the souvenir cup. My question now. We were on Freedom Class ships, and they had a speaker who was very entertaining, Muhammad Ali's doctor. I was wondering if there's any easy way to find out if there's something similar for other cruises, thanks to the podcast. Two, two points, uh, Murph, and I'm glad you brought this up. First of all, thank you for the recommendation for going to the R-Bar to buy a drink package. I would go one step further. If you're going to buy a drink package, do yourself a favor. Buy it before the cruise, just because you're going to avoid those lines. Embarkation day, you're going to see a lot of lines for people trying to buy drink packages, because most people don't do any research about it. They show up and go, like, oh, look, there's a drink package. Cool. And then there's long lines there. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. The Murph is right, though. You can actually buy the drink package from any bar or lounge in addition to whatever places they set. The thing is, Royal Caribbean sets up these little tables, usually right around you know where you board the ship, and that's where the lines develop. But you can go to any bar, in this case, the R bar, and certainly on our vacation day, our bar shouldn't be too busy in the afternoon because most people are up on the pool deck or exploring the ship or eating in the windjammer. So it may not be that crowded, and your Murph is 100% right. You can go there. You can go to Boleros. You can go to almost any bar and buy the drink package there. So if you see a line for a drink package and you want to buy one, look for another bar because you don't necessarily have to wait. Inevitably, because Royal Caribbean has so many bars on their ships, there's going to be a bar that's going to be empty and you can go there and purchase it from there. So it's not like any bar has any advantage over the other one. They all sell you the same thing and they'll be able to help you out there. Now on to your question about the speakers and is there an easy way to find out if there's something similar on a cruise that you have coming up there? The answer is, unfortunately, no. Royal Caribbean really does not advertise upcoming entertainment beyond what you see in the cruise planner. And the reason for that, from what I understand, is Royal Caribbean just simply does not want to give the wrong expectations. They want to make sure, they don't want to promise something they can't deliver on. And so as a policy, they just don't really ever put out entertainment schedules ahead of time. So uh, outside of Oasis or Quantum Class ships, where some shows can be reserved, they rarely, if ever, post you know, oh, on this particular sailing, we're going to have so-and-so. The exceptions are, you know, special cruises and things like that, but they generally don't advertise it, Murph. So, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to know ahead of time. It's something you're just going to have to read your cruise compass for. You might get lucky and have a friend or family member going on the same ship as you like a week or two before, and they can inquire with the cruise director staff about, you know, maybe some entertainment coming up. But in general, sitting at home from the comfort of your house and... Googling, no, unfortunately not. You're going to be able to find the information. I apologize. I wish there was a way. That'd be kind of cool, but just not going to work out that way. Sorry, bud. Uh, great email. Thank you to everybody sending these wonderful emails. I love talking roller cream with all of you. And, of course, I want to hear from you as well. Yes, you. You sitting right there or running or on the treadmill or doing laundry or whatever. However you listen to the podcast, I love hearing from you. Even if you're just saying, hey, what's up? I love what's ups. So send me an email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at Royal Caribbean Blog. Dot com. Love hearing from all of you, whether you have a question, a comment. Maybe you read something on RollerCreamBlog.com, some news, and you want to talk about it. Hey, this is your form. I do this podcast for you guys. I want you guys to feel as open and inviting as possible to come on here and talk about everything Royal Caribbean. Let's do it. Send me an email, Matt at RollerCreamBlog.com. Well, that's going to wrap this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Love doing this each and every week. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.